You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given and huge fans of Stephen Finn. Well, you are going to be bitterly, bitterly disappointed. We've got no Finney with us today. He's basically he's just a bit too big time for us now. Now that he's got his 100 contract, old, you know, Billy Big Balls, Finney. Um, he's not with us this week, so it's just myself and uh, the one and only, the inimitable Mr. Daniel Norcross. How are we, Daniel? How are we, sir? Well, I'm I'm in a very very small hotel room. I've got to tell you that I'm here for five days to do a test match, and uh, I've been given some total of three coat hangers. Um, I've got a I've got a fridge that works, but it's got a key, which is quite tricky. And every time I move away from my bed to go to the loo, I smash into the TV because the wall's so close. But uh, other than that, I am filled with excitement at the start. There's, I say the start, it's not the start, is it? But it's the resumption of the Red Bull summer. With five test matches against India, I'm very, very excited about that. I'm very excited to be back with the likes of Vic Marks and Phil Tufnell and all my old chums. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm, o- I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I, but, but no more than okay. Okay. Well, that well, that's a start. That's a start. You know yeah. I have to say that uh, we talked about the 100 at length last week and it has been brilliant and I think we were all quite positive about the 100 last week. But come on, proper cricket's about to get back underway, isn't it? Proper cricket. Nice cream costumes, red ball. It's not really cream, actually. This is one thing. I I hate this England pristine white test kit. And it's only when when you see it live when you watch us play against, because New Zealand are always, they've got a very nice sort of beigey cream number always. So when I went to England, New Zealand earlier in the summer, you realise how ridiculous we look. So I would like the England test team to go back to a more traditional cream at some point. I'm I'm such a Luddite, aren't I? I'm such a, I just don't yeah, like you are. any sort of advancement of the game at all. I want it to stay, I want it to stay five day test matches in front of empty crowds. That'll do me. That'll yeah. do me. 
I mean, ideally, with terribly poor drainage and covers that, that drip. Yeah. And, you know, a good three and a half hours waiting after a relatively short shower Perfect. before we can resume play. Yeah. As long as elderly fat men in with pipes are playing for England in cable knit sweaters mm. that have become two stone heavier after that small drizzly shower. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's my dream. And in a way, I think, you know, yeah, well, I'm, I'm sort of with you there. I quite I quite enjoy that. I quite enjoy that, too. As long uh, as the run not, rate's not never the, above about think, 1.5, then I'm happy. That's As soon as the run rate gets above well, 1.5, it's not for me anymore. Well, why not have two squads? Uh, that's the way you do it. And actually, think about it, England have done that, haven't they? Because they've got Dom Sibley, who'll go at 0.74 per 100 balls, uh, almost literally. And he'd be very happy to wear a, a chunky cable knit cream sweater and all the lights out of you. And Laurie Burns being a little bit twitchy and strange, a bit like sort of Derek Randall in the 1970s. Uh, and your red ball squad, and then have your, your white ball squad where, you know, Liam Livingston monsters a ball over the top of the uh, top of the stand and then gets out next ball playing a, a, a completely ridiculous shot. That's, I think, I think you've got it. I think basically we've got the best of both worlds, Toby. I wouldn't be upset. Let's just go, isn't this yeah. perfect? Yeah. We're well, about um, to, tomorrow, well, tomorrow, I could conceivably watch Dominic Sibley be 38 not out at T after England had been put into bat oh, in yeah. slightly overcast conditions. I mean, wouldn't that be heavenly? Oh, that is the dream. That is a dream. Although I do appreciate your optimism to think that any of our top order are going to be 38 not out at any point the way they've batted recently. Um, it, it's, it's a very important series for England and especially for the individuals because this is your chance to go and earn your spot in the ashes this winter. This is your last chance. And also England, you know, Fortress England was supposed to be very good at home, but obviously coming off the back of a series defeat to New Zealand as well. There are lots of question marks over this England team at the minute. And we're not um, going over new ground here. We all know what the problems are. The top order, all of dodgy techniques, can't leave a ball alone outside our stump and keep snicking off. And they've been doing it for quite some time now. And uh, our two best bowlers are both mid to late 30s. And when they go, well, God knows what happens then. Um, let's talk about the England squad. It'll be interesting to see what they go for. And obviously, the big news story is Ben Stokes is taking some time out of cricket and everybody here at Zero Dutch Given, of course, wishes wishes Ben Stokes well. Um, I'm glad Finney's not here because I'm about, to, I'm about to admit an error and I'm going to admit some mistakes and I hate to do that and I would never give Finney the satisfaction of doing this. But throughout this podcast over the last few months, I have been laying into the England selection policy and saying we're rotating far too much and blah, 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 blah. Clearly, I have never spent any time inside one of these biosecure bubbles. And it's not just cricket. We've had Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, struggling with her mental health recently. We've had Simone Biles in the Olympics recently. And now Ben Stokes as well. Clearly, these sports biosecure bubbles are very bizarre, strange, and clearly difficult places to spend a lot of time in. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to eat some humble pie. And actually, I've, I've been slating the England players. How much rest do they need? Well, clearly, quite a lot. It's obviously just a mad time. And Daniel, you've, you've kind of spent a bit of time in some of these bubbles doing your job. It, 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 it's clearly a bizarre place to, to, to spend a lot of time. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really 
it's a, it was a really strange thing last year when we were in those biosecure bubbles. And people forget because we've been in a pandemic for 16 months, the different phases of it. And there was a kind of paranoia, which was almost out of kilter with the amount of, of COVID that was going around the nation, actually. In July and August, we were probably at our least COVID-y, if that's a word, than we've ever been. Uh, but it was at the, precisely that moment that they created these incredibly secure environments in the GS Bowling at Old Trafford. And it was a very, very serious thing. You know, I mean, we're talking about young men who are playing cricket at the highest level, who are well, well paid, whose expectations of life and what they're doing is not that they are going to be stuck in the Hilton Old Trafford, perfectly fine hotel, incidentally, but literally in the ground. You could not leave that gated community, and it was a tiny one. And to be in that, if you were like the West Indies team, I spent a lot of time with Jason Holder talking about it, and the day-to-day, -day, the quotidian horror of just going to the room. When you're not playing cricket, at least when they were playing cricket, there was something going on. But there were a lot of them who were in the squad, who, of course, weren't playing on those days either. So there are people who would be spending 21, 28 days in this, in this sort of this this sort of circle of nonsense, and they were playing Xboxes and they were playing a bit of table tennis and they were looking out at nothing, and the rain is falling and it's a very strange thing with a bunch of men. I mean, you are young men just hanging around with a bunch of other young men, and you do start to go stir crazy. And I didn't so much because I was going in there for sort of seven to ten days at a time. But my colleagues who were, and I'm not going to mention names, but the ones who were in there continuously because they were doing every game, they were really exhausted by it. Mm. You know, you're exhausted by the lack of familiarity with your normal routines. You're just not being able to make your own breakfast, you know, just being in this same place day after day after day. And it gets you down. Now, look, it's not as bad as being on death row, but that surely shouldn't be the benchmark. And when yeah. you like look at Twitter and you think people say, well, just get on with it. Yeah. So people have it far worse than that. <laughs> it's not really how mental health works. You know? no. And also remember that these people didn't, didn't have an expectation of being sentenced to this when they took up the game of cricket. I, I have a lot of sympathy with them. A lot, And it's been going on for a long time. And they've had bubble after bubble because they didn't just go from that bubble. They went into IPL bubbles. They went into further test match bubbles in India if they were English players playing against India. But, you know, apart from the Australians who really, for the most part, have avoided bubbles, the rest of the cricketing world has really struggled with it. Mm. So, I look, I, I exactly what you said there. I wish Ben Stokes absolutely the best. I'm not sure. We, none of us know whether it's the bubble life yeah, or whether it's, you know, the tragedy of his dad dying and while he was in a bubble. Can you imagine that? You know, yeah. not being able to be there while that was happening. I mean, that, that, who knows? Mm. We could speculate to our heart's content. Probably best that we don't, really. Mm. Um, what we should all acknowledge is that when somebody as strong and amazing as Ben says, I need time off, give him some time off without, yeah. without getting on his back. Now, look, I think more of those could happen if we're not careful. I think we'll see more people in that situation. India's situation is very different. People say, well, what about India? 
the Indian team came over and they played in the World Test Championship in June and they've been in England for six weeks, but they've not really been in a bubble. And actually what they've actually been in is somewhere that's not India. And I know that sounds a bit provocative, but in India, you wander around the streets and you are instantly recognised. And any Indian listeners to this podcast, if there are any, uh, I can assure you that most English people don't recognise Dinesh Kartik. They don't recognise Jimmy Anderson. They don't recognise Ben Stokes because mm. cricket is not very recognisable in England. So in a strange kind of way, it's a little bit of a release. It's a bit of a freedom from a different kind of bubble, which is the bubble of being constantly recognised, which is part of the reason, and I'm sure when we come on to talk about India, England series generally, that I think the Indian players are probably in a better place, actually, than the England players who have been put through unusual circumstances that are uh, troubling for them. Whereas for the Indian players, I think, they're in unusual circumstances, which are actually quite fun for them. I think they're having a bit of a laugh. And um, I think they will approach tomorrow's game in a really good mindset. I agree with everything you said there. And also, when you mentioned as well about Ben Stokes, that, you know, how strong and amazing he is. I think that's why, when, when, when Ben Stokes is on a cricket pitch, there is a man who only plays one way, which is... 110% in everything he does. He throws himself around in the field. He bowls, he bats. Uh, he is just the most wholehearted cricketer you'd ever imagine. And therefore, if he's not quite right, which he clearly isn't, then he is not the sort of cricketer that he doesn't do playing at 75%. He just doesn't do it. And we talked last week about him in the 100. And uh, and he had a bit of a stinker in the one game that he played in the 100. And you do wonder, you know, but he you'd imagine that probably his head wasn't quite right for that game. And that, and that would make a lot of sense with the performance we saw from him. Yeah. He's just not a cricketer that if he doesn't feel he can give his whole, his, his entire at, effort to England, then he won't, he doesn't want to be in that position. Look, look at the one day internationals when he, when he came in to be captain, uh, when the entire England side was, you know, binned off because of COVID and he was almost dragged out really mm. come and captain this new side. There were a couple of odd things I was watching on there. Do you remember um, his post-match interviews? And and he seemed a bit distracted and he said, you know, I think Owen Morgan deserves a bit of the credit. Now, that's not Ben Stokes being Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes, a normal Ben Stokes up for it would have said, my God, these guys have come from nowhere and they've won this game and they're absolutely, you know, you've got to give them all the credit. His mind seemed elsewhere. He bowled one over in the first mm. game. He um, batted a bit peculiarly. His, his game head wasn't there. And I think, looking back on it, it's easy with hindsight, but actually I felt it a little bit at the time. thought, something's not quite right with Ben here. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was the injury. Um, it might be something a bit more than the injury. It might be the combination of the injury and the bubble and, you know, the tragic death of his dad. And Or who knows what it is? Who knows what it is? But what it what it definitely was was that Ben Stokes wasn't the Ben Stokes that we normally recognise in those circumstances and, and he didn't he wasn't the captain that you would think he would be so I think we've just got to all of us wish him the absolute best we've got to like take a step back it's 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 not great for English cricket uh, they're going into a series against the second best side in the world or best side in the world who knows it's one of them or New Zealand yeah 
and uh, and England are quite definitely not either of those. They are not not anywhere near the first or second best side in the world, and they're going into that without Ben Stokes, going into it without Jopper Archer. There's every chance Jopper Archer won't be available for the whole series. They're going into it without Chris Wokes, who's one of England's most effective bowlers in English conditions. So they they've got a lot of like batters, uh, bowlers who who don't bat. They've got a lot of not experienced middle order batters uh, and they're coming up against a really strong Indian side that has got their own injury worries, but they've also got a really strong core and most of their best players are available. So the loss of Stokes uh, for England is not great. You know, <laughs> England are quite definitely, they yeah. are definitely underdogs, but that doesn't mean that we should all be going, well, Ben, well, play. well that's, I mean, that's not how it works, you know. Well, I mean, there's so many fascinating stories uh, within the test squad because it, I, I, I can't even begin to second guess who they're going to pick tomorrow. And we've talked all about the top order, people that desperately need runs. Uh, your golden boy, Ollie Pope, you know, he needs some runs. Sibley, um, Burns has done it in fits and starts. Dan Lawrence, you name it. Will Hasib Hamid come into the side? You'd think he's got a great chance. Johnny Bairstow, they're desperate for Johnny Bairstow to be a Red Bull cricketer because we've seen him do it in the Red Bull format. We know it's in there somewhere, but also I think he's the most consistent white ball cricketer on the planet. Scores mm. runs, scores runs. It feels like every time he walks out to the middle. So they're desperate for him to turn into a, to a world-class test cricketer. Um, Ollie Robinson. I mean, it feels a lifetime ago. We were sat on this podcast talking about all the off the field issues of Ollie Robinson, but what people did forget was he actually bowled very well in the, in a couple of the innings uh, that he did play for England. So loads to get through. Will they play Don Best because he can bat? And you mentioned we got a long tail at the moment. Sam Curran can bat. So it's going to be fascinating to see what we do with this squad. And there'll be some rotation, but everybody knows this is their last chance to get on that flight to Australia. But Dan, I mean, come on, mate. I was I was on the BBC Sport website earlier today, and I was going <laughs> for everybody's predictions. And they had you they had you bang last, which I thought was very, very rude. But you were the last <laughs> with your prediction on the website. Straight off to Simon Mann. Yeah. Straight straight exactly. Yeah. Man. But you're, you're <laughs> below Simon Mann. What a place to be. And uh and and you've gone for a you've gone for a three one India. I know. I mean it's, it's crazy. It's heartless, I, 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 unpatriotic bastard. Yeah. Well, you're right. I I I do you know what? I wish I'd said four 0 because that's what I really think will happen. Um, you're dead. You're dead right. I don't know where the wind is coming from. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's uh, yeah, I, I, and I'll tell you for why. It, Test cricket is a game. As Jeremy Coney would say, Dan, in Test cricket, the best teams tend to win, and uh, it is kind of right. Mm. And you might say that about all forwards cricket, but in a way, not really. Uh, in twenty twenty cricket. You know, you, you can you can win 55, 45 and be a really good T20 side. In Test cricket, the better the better sides, because of the way the game is is structured, will win out. And England have got big problems with runs. They don't have runs at the top of the order. They don't have them. Doesn't mean to say they won't get them. Rory Burns, um, Dom Sibley, Zach Crawley, that's what they'll start with. I'm absolutely certain of that. Joe Root will come in at four. If those three give Joe Root a platform then England will go well because he, Joe Root is a fantastic player but if he comes in time and time again at 20 for 2 25 for 2 and he has done 
it inhibits the way he can play. They've lost Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes is going to be their number five. A hugely experienced player who knows what he's doing, gets it. He's not there. Ollie Pope isn't going to be fit. It's come out today. He's not available for the first game. Mm. Won't be there. So what do they do? They, they'll go in with Dan Lawrence, Johnny Bairstow. Will they go Lawrence, Bairstow, Butler? For me, the right thing to do, horses for courses at Trent Bridge. Spinners don't take wickets. Graham Swan didn't take wickets at Trent Bridge. Um, even though he played there for Nottinghamshire. For me, I'd say if you need another bowling option who's going to bowl round-arm filth, you've got Joe Root and you play four quick bowlers and seven batters because England's problem is they do not have batting depth. Yeah. So if you put in Sam Curran at seven, that's that's not right. You put no. Butler at seven and then you play Robinson... Wood for pace and Branderson. If they go with that, Branderson being broad and Anderson, that I think is England's best available side. But now, having described England's best available side, look at what India have got. Yeah. Rohit Sharma, Pujara, Kohli, Rahane, mm. Punt. They can play Ashwin and Jadeja to give themselves dry spin options because they know both of them can bat. Yeah. And then Ishant Sharma, Mohammed Shami, Jasprit Bumrah. I mean, this is not, it's not anything to be ashamed of. This Indian team is really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. the England team at the moment isn't yet really, really good. That's all I'm saying. It's not yeah. me. It's not, it's not me being a kind of, you know, fifth columnist, you know, Nazi sympathizer because I want England to lose. <laughs> it's just India are good. <laughs> well, I'm obviously as a as a blindly loyal Englishman, obviously I'm gonna say that England are gonna win the series, despite all the very good reasons you've listed there. But there is one problem, despite all that talent in that batting lineup that you named. Last time India were here, Kohli finally got runs in England and had batted beautifully in that series, but nobody else scored any bloody runs. And, you know, and and that is going to be the big question, like it always is when teams come to England. Can they face a swinging ball? Can they play the ball late? Can they can they avoid wafting outside off stump, which you can do on a nice feather bed in uh, in the subcontinent? And and those are the same questions that we'll, we'll be asking in 50, 60 years time. Uh, when we're do- when we're doing this podcast, and we've got you, might be, but it'll always be the same. When England will go to India, we'll be saying, "Well, can we play the spinning ball?" When India come over here, can they play the swinging ball? So that is England's best hope, as it always is. is you're absolutely, you're absolutely, Tobes, and Branderson tear through their top order. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right, and you're absolutely right that England do have some have more than quality seamers. And on their day, under the favourable conditions, in the right circumstances. They did it last time, 2018. If you go back and look at that series, I commentated three of those games. And I, I was staggered at how kind of lucky England got. I mean, they made their own luck. But they won that series 4-1. They could have lost it 4-1. It was extraordinary. It was an amazing series. And that's why Test cricket is so brilliant. It's so beautiful. Um, circumstances in an hour can change the whole course of the game. You're dead right. It can happen. But if you're going to ask people to do a prediction, (laughs) 
what are they going to do except go on the available data? And the available data is that India are 10 times better than England. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do always think, I mean, Ishant Sharma must love it when he goes up, when he looks in the diary and he goes, great, we're going to go on tour to England. I'm going to get a ball. It's going to swing. It's going to swing for a long time. I mean, I remember watching Zahir Khan come over to England <laughs> and God, he was unplayable. And you know, and uh, and you know, from from Pakistan as well, Mohammed Asif used yeah. to come over to England and just go. This is lovely. The ball's swinging. It's swinging late. It's swinging for a long time. Um, so yeah, India. Well, why didn't they change nationality? Why didn't they? Why didn't they? Why didn't they just like ask to be renationalised as England? They're going to play half their games over here. Yeah. So, I mean, if I was Mohammed Asif, I'd rather than bowling in Lahore and Karachi or you know, uh, the UAE. Yeah, I'd, I'd have I'd surely marry marry an English woman, play in yeah. a green top <laughs> at Train Bridge. You know, your career's made, isn't it? <laughs> surely, I always think that. I mean, who are these? But also, who are these idiots? What if you grew up in India? Why would you bowl pace? Why would you bowl? Just as soon as you're Indian and you like cricket at a young age, immediately start bowling spin because you know, as a pace bowler, it's a horrible, horrible task. The maddest ones are Sri Lankans, you know, and, and that's what really gets me. I, I get so, so I feel so sorry for the likes of Sarangalore. Yes. And Donna, you know, I mean, he's a genuinely good bowler. Mm. If, he, if he'd been brought up in New Zealand, Sri Lanka, uh, South Africa or England, especially England, he could, he, would, he could have taken a bucket load of wickets. Yeah. But instead, England played a series in Sri Lanka a couple of years ago, in which he capped in the side and he bowled, I think, eight overs per test match. <laughs> and he was the only seamer to bowl. I mean, I mean it's <laughs> how so depressing. insane is that? It's so depressing. You, you, watch, you, you, watch uh, you watch the captain go over to the box and pick out a brand new, beautiful, dark red cherry and he hands it to some slow left arm bowler <laughs> who just rattles through England's top order. <laughs> Emble Denia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to sit there watching the ball getting slowly, the shine slowly disappearing from it. And then maybe at about over 57, they'll chuck you something that looks like a dog's chewed it and said, here, bowl two overs before tea. And then we'll, and then we'll go back to the spin afterwards. I mean, what a depressing existence to be a fast bowler in some of these countries. I don't know, don't know why they do it to themselves. Um, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very exciting series, which it always is when England plays India. It's two of the biggest teams in world cricket. And there's an Ashes just around the corner. Well, we hope, fingers crossed, but we're not going back down that wormhole again. But um, fingers crossed, there's an Ashes around the corner. So, very, very excited for it. I'm going to go for England to win. I'm going to go for England to win 2-1. The weather's so rubbish. I think that's going to, I, I think there's going to be test matches washed out, definitely. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 England win with a couple of draws and probably the weather saving them at some point. Can I say one thing, though, I think, is that I think this could be Ollie Robinson's moment. He bowled tremendously on this test match, Davey, and we all know what happened on that, on those days off the field but he he was like an English Josh Hazelwood and England are looking to try to work out how they're going to win in the Ashes it's one of the things we could debate really is are they spending too much time thinking about how they can win the Ashes not enough time about how they can win now but uh, I think here and under these circumstances and I'm, I'm in Nottingham now and I've been to the ground I've looked at the pitch and it feels quite Ollie Robinson-y 
Do you know what I mean? It's got a bit, it, it looks like it'd be perfect for him. He's got a bit to prove. He's not played a lot of cricket, of course, because of the 100 and because of the lack of county cricket, because of all sorts of stuff that went before that. But assuming that he's in the right groove, I think there's a really good shout that he could be England's leading wicket-taker in this series. I'd expect them to be rotating Broad, Anderson, Wood. So I think, and, and if Works can come back into the side, I think there'd be a bit of rotation there. But I could see them trying to keep Robinson going as long as possible throughout that series. I could see him being his most effective bowler. And I can see him booking a ticket to Australia. He's going to be somebody to really look out for. And I'm look, I'm, I'm half joking when I say India win 4-0. I expect India to dominate the series. But I expect some people, a bit like Angus Fraser, you know, like back in the 1990s when England struggled really to put together an effective side. But there are a couple of guys who stood out, mm. Angus Fraser being one of them. I could see Ollie Robinson being somebody who really could benefit from this five-test series, especially because the forecast is poor throughout August, actually. There's a couple of weeks where it's supposed to get a bit sunny, but largely speaking, a bit crap. And... I've seen what looks a really green-tinged pitch at Trent Bridge. So, well, I don't I mean, know. Let's be honest, the groundsmen wouldn't be doing their job if they're not preparing green tops for all yeah. the test matches. That's, surely. Surely. I mean, after, after Ahmedabad, I mean, it has to have like four inches of grass. In yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. <laughs> uh, yeah, a huge thing. And also... You know, we, we we talked at length about the Ollie Robinson off off field matters um, on the podcast when it all came out. But there is a weird thing that there's different rules for sportsmen. In 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 other walks of life, if you make a you make a big mistake, which Ollie Robinson did, and he held his hands up, you don't necessarily get a chance to correct those mistakes. But in the sporting world, it is a bit different. You can put things like that to bed by playing sport really well. Is that the right, is that correct? Probably not. But that is undeniable that sports, not just cricket, sports is littered with blokes who have done ridiculously abhorrent misdemeanors off the pitch, but they were very good at their sport. And eventually that outweighs anything else. So Ollie Robinson's best way to put what happened behind him is to go and bowl really well in this test series. Like I say, is that right? Is it right that society gives people that sort of, Chance to get off the hook free? Probably not, but it is true. And so if he has a great series here, nobody will be talking about those tweets. And uh, certainly if he leads England to a win in the in the ashes down under, then they will get pushed right to the back of the oh. bank. So look, they, he's, he's got a great chance here to go and start um, earning the trust of the public back uh, by bowling really well. Oh, I, I, 100%. And, and he's actually got, he's, he's got all the attributes that you need to do that as well, actually. Uh, it's it's quite strange that we've not seen Ollie Robinson before playing in an England shirt. When you look at the numbers, you look at what he'd done in county cricket, you look at, and they are ridiculous numbers. Mm. We are talking averages of under 20, uh, strike rates of 40 and under 40. And, and part of it was because England have had Broad and Anderson and they've wanted express pace. So they've been looking at Wood and Archer and those kind of people and they've had all rounders. It turns out that you know, there's been this diamond in the rough throughout. And a lot of people have had their eye on him. I'd seen him a couple of times for Sussex and I was impressed, but I've never been more impressed than the way he bowled at Lords because that wasn't really a pitch that necessarily suited him. And he 
bowled superbly. It was a consistency of line and length. It was very, I said it before, Josh Hazelwood, mm. you know, height, um, banging on a length. And to do that in your first test match, and actually to do that in your first test match, and again, whatever we think about all the things that have gone off the pitch, he came out after the first day and put in a great shift thereafter. And that shows an incredible temperament. So, look, he's ticked a number of boxes so far. He's only played one game. Hmm. Wasn't get too excited. But from what I've seen and from what he can do, I think he could be England's bowler of the series. The other part of it is being fascinated by watching Anderson and Broad, isn't it? Because yeah. how England are going to use Anderson and Broad, I don't quite know, to be honest with you. Um, I think at Trent Bridge, you tend to feel they'll play both Anderson and Broad. They've both got pretty good records there, to be honest. Along with Robinson, that feels like that gives them the best chance to ambush India right in that first game, doesn't it? Yeah, I completely agree. And, and, and I think the way that they use Anderson and Broad for, for, over the next couple of years, however long we have these two for, um, is going to be fascinating to watch. There was that theory at one point they couldn't play together and all this nonsense. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, anyway, very nice to have Red Bull Cricket back. Now, before we, we say goodbye, there is also, of course, the 100 carrying on and carrying on being very entertaining, as, as we said last week. And uh, I don't think anyone ever doubted you know, you can go into the politics of the tournament and does English cricket need it? But I don't think anyone really doubted that once it got underway that the cricket would be entertaining and that there'd be a good standard of cricket. Um, but there's a definite, there's a class war. There's a schism through the centre of English cricket right now. There are people that are so entrenched on both sides. There are people that think the sun shines out of the hundreds arse and there's people that think it's the worst thing that's ever happened to, 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 the, to the game that we all love. Um I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I watch it when it's on. I'm rather enjoying it. I like the fact that it's on terrestrial TV a lot of the time. I think it's great for the women's game. And basically, if you put on the TV a bloke running in and bowling a cricket ball and somebody hitting it, I normally watch it. And uh, and, and as that's proven to be the case. But it does feel like there's a great divide down the middle of the 100 at the moment, isn't there, Dan? It's crazy. It's absolutely <laughs> crazy. Because... Uh, like look, it's everything that you've just said there is absolutely true. The concerns about the hundred are: is this going to affect the way the whole county cricket structure goes on from here on in? And isn't it a bit mean the way it's been done so that it makes existing cricket fans made feel awful about themselves? But at the same time, can't those existing cricket fans just have a look and go? Oh, yeah, if we have a game on every day on the TV and we put them in really big stadia and we stick them on both the BBC and Sky, then we might be able to create a bit of a noise about it. And, you know, nobody's moving from one place closer to the other. They're moving further away from each other. Mm. And this is what I find heartbreaking. And I have to say that from a, if I can very briefly, just from a BBC perspective, I've, I've felt for my own colleagues, right, because they have been basically described as cheerleaders. Uh, they're in the pocket. They're, they're getting paid loads for this. You know, that's, that's the only reason why you're like it. It's because you're paid loads. So honestly, see my hotel room. Honestly, look <laughs> at my bank balance. Honestly, understand what getting, getting like paid to, to commentate cricket for the BBC is. I gave up a job in the city for this 
and I've got <laughs> half as much money as I ever had before, right? I, I've got a much better life. I'm much, I far, far, far prefer it for what I did. But Jesus Christ, come on, people. Yeah. This is, we, we are not doing this because somebody's like giving us a, 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 a villa in Portugal off the back of saying that the hundred's okay. And, uh, and I'm not even actually saying that the hundred's brilliant when I'm on there. I'm saying that, you know, for the women's game, it's magnificent. But for the men's game, I think that there are actually uh, some pretty ropey teams out there. I think, I think the very best sides to have played short form cricket in England in the last 15 years have been uh, Nottinghamshire and Sussex and Surrey in the early days. And if you took last year's Notts and Sussex teams, I think they're better than any side of the 100 this year. Mm. But that's not the point. The point is, it's entertainment in the time of COVID. You know, the ECB can't be blamed for not having Aussies over here and, and West Indians over here. Uh, we've got a, an awkward situation. Yes, it seems to be uh, really damaging. For, for counties like North Hants. If you're a North Hants fan or a Derbyshire fan or a Leicester fan or a Somerset fan, you're, you're probably very, very, very concerned by what's going on right now. But can we get a bit of perspective? It is just a cricket tournament and we don't know how it's going to play out and it's going to last for four weeks. The test series starts tomorrow. We can all take a deep breath. We can all get back to normal and then cricket will resume its normal cycles and we'll try to understand the fallout of this in time. But at the moment, there's an awful lot of people falling out with each other. And I hate to see it because the cricket community isn't large enough for it to be allowed to hate on each other. We yeah. actually kind of need to work together. Well, that's exactly it. We all, we, the cricket is niche. You mentioned it earlier. You know, Dinesh Kartik can walk down the streets of London High Street and nobody would recognise him apart from saddos like you and me and the saddos that listen to this podcast, essentially. Yeah, uh, yeah. What I will, I, I, I agree with everything you say, as, as I so often do, Daniel. And um, what I will, oh. say, what I will say is that last week I was talking about uh, haven't actually decided who my team is yet, and I was talking about maybe London Spirit. Definitely not. They're crap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so they, them, are you, so, I mean, you'd be crazy to support them unless, unless, unless you were, you were essentially a masochist. And yes. you don't strike me as a masochist, though. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, Daniel, absolute pleasure. Red Bull cricket's back, and I'm very much looking forward to it. You go and sleep in your crap hotel room, mate. Yes, well, I'll try. But it's, I, I think I've actually, when I put the, the air conditioner, I've changed, just changed something there. And I think I might put the heating on rather than getting it to be cooler. Right. You, you do look sweatier than usual. Which is which says yeah I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm hotter than I was when I started this podcast <laughs> which is very concerning <laughs> well I'm gonna leave you to it mate uh, but see you next week <laughs> have a good one Cheers. Mark.